0: Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Julie R., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, May 19th, the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are on page 43. We'll be starting with the first paragraph Fred's Story Speaks for Itself. Today's readers are Stephanie L. and Elaine B. The share ID for Thursday, May 18th at the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting is 9954. For this morning, Friday, May 19th, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, it's 9956. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. OA's Fifth Tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Carrie M. to read the 12 steps.
1: 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these
0: principles in all our affairs. And I pass. Thank you, Carrie M. I will now ask Matt M. to read the 12 traditions.
2: Thank you, Julie. Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Madam M., a overeater from New Jersey. The 12 Traditions. <clears throat> one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is one ultimate authority of loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are our trusted servants, as direct do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating, possibly overeating. Four, each group should remain autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has the one primary purpose to carry a message to the compulsory eater who still suffers. Six, an OA group will never endorse, finance, or lend an OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and proceeds divert us from a primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought never ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, anonymous streaming for non but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, a as such, ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, all anonymous is no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and film. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these principled traditions. Every, every mind its face principles through our personalities. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Matt. Today, we resume our study of the Big Book on page 43, with, starting with the first paragraph, Fred's story speaks for itself. We'll be reading through three paragraphs, ending with, his defense must come from a higher power. Comments will be done on all three paragraphs. I will now ask Stephanie L. to begin reading.
3: Good morning, everyone. This is Stephanie L., and I'm a recovered compulsory eater from Southern California. Fred's story speaks for itself. We hope it strikes home to thousands like him. He had felt only the first nip of the ringer. Most alcoholics have to be pretty badly mangled before they really commence to solve their problems. Many doctors and psychiatrists agree with our conclusions. One of these men, staff member of a world-renowned hospital, recently made this statement to some of us. What you say about the general hopelessness of the average alcoholic's plight is, in my opinion, correct. As to two of you men whose stories I have heard, there is no doubt in my mind that you were 100% hopeless apart from divine help. Had you offered yourselves as patients at this hospital, I would not have taken you if I had been able to avoid it. People like you are too heartbreaking. Though not a religious person, I have profound respect for the spiritual approach in such cases as yours. For most cases, there is virtually no other solution. Once more... The alcoholic, at certain times, has no effective mental defense against the first drink. Except in a few rare cases, neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power. And man, Fred, um, you know, in my experience with this disease, I had to be really badly mangled before I would do what I needed to do to um, recover. And, um, you know, I tried so many things. And on my own with my human power, you know, I am 100% hopeless. But the crazy amazing thing about working these steps is the minute that I plug in to that higher power and completely surrender and truly and humbly ask for help, I go from that wreck who can't stop eating, sitting in a car for 8 to 10 hours in front of a grocery store, hiding from my husband, hiding from my family, um, you know, alone with my best friend, my lover, you know, binge, you know, food, binging my brains out. I go from that to free of the obsession, able to participate in my life, to be present in my life and be a, you know, a contributing member of society. How does that happen? How, you know, it happens because God does for me what I cannot do for myself. And I am 100% hopeless without a higher power. Um, and then I love that last paragraph. The alcoholic at certain times has no effective defense, mental defense against the first drink. It brings me back to page 24 and the italicized paragraph where it says, you know, the fact is that most alcoholics, for reasons yet obscure, have lost the power of choice and drink. Our so-called willpower becomes practically non-existent. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. We were without defense against that first drink. You know, um, when things are, when Bill puts things multiple times in this book, you know, he's telling me I need to stop and pay attention because I am, I am without defense against that first bite. Whether I've been in three years or 10 years or 20 years, I still have this disease. I am never cured. I'm recovered, but I am still without defense. And once I take that first bite, it's it's all over. Um, and by the grace of my higher power, that's not where I am today. I am full of hope, and it's all because of um, you know plugging
0: into that power greater than me. So with
3: that, I'm going to pass. And thanks for letting me share.
0: Thank you, Stephanie L. Who would like to share on these three paragraphs that were read on page forty three? Ginger C, Ginger C, Stephanie N,
4: Kathleen O,
0: Kathleen O. All right, we'll start with those. Ginger C, followed by
5: Stephanie
6: N. Hi, good morning, everyone. This is Ginger C, recovered in Colorado. Oh, I just love Fred's story. I was reading it last night with Aspansi, and then. uh, Hearing the earlier message, too, from all the recovered people sharing. It's just so powerful. This book is just unbelievable.
7: And a lot of people, you know,
6: we've been focusing on that he had only felt uh, the first nip of the ringer. Most alcoholics have to be pretty badly mangled, mangled. That's just such a horrible word before they really commence to solve their problems and I've just been really um, thinking about this because I recently am in another program because I love the effect of more. And, you know, I'm not really mangled though. And I'm still willing though to do this work because I believe and I know this book works. So that's what I'm just really thinking about this morning is, is today's pain enough pain for you? You know, do you really have to take the elevator to the bottom? Because I'm telling you, I took the food to the bottom and I am grateful for every beautiful bite because it allowed me to have what I have today. But I don't know, if I had seen vision earlier in those 20 years of OA, would I have done this work? You know, I just look back to page 25 and it says, when we were approached, and that's what we're doing with vision, we're being approached by people that have an answer people that are living this out of this food nightmare. So when we were approached by those whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. And then here's this great promise. You know, this is a practical program of action. So you went, I, when I went out to Virginia Beach, I had no intention of putting the food down. I arrived with a backpack filled with my candies, But this lady approached me and said, I'd hate that you came all this way and you missed this, this event because it begins tonight. And if you eat today, you'll miss it. So she approached me and I saw that she had something, you know, and then I just did this action. I didn't even know what I was doing, but I was just acting as if, you know, it's like Nike, just do it. And then we get rocketed into a fourth dimension of existence, which we had not even dreamed. It's unbelievable to go from a selfish, self-centered state to a God-centered, other-centered state. And this is available to anyone on the lines right now, and especially if you're eating or if you think it's not going to work. Just put the food down and get into action. You know, that's what I had to do. I... As I said, I'm a, I, I love the effect of more. So my food went down and my shopping went up. It's this whack-a-mole game that's absolutely insane. But I believe in this book. I know it works. I know I'm not desperate and drowning in DA like I am. What, what like I was in OA, but I'm just going to do it and I'm going to act as if. And it's available to you now. So is the pain enough today? And I hope it is because. The bottom line, when I'm eating and I'm in addiction, I'm hurting people around me, and I just, you know, my, especially my children, all those days where the food was more important than my kids. So I pray the pain is enough today for you, and you just pick up this book, you work it like your life depends on it, you never get out of it, and you just do it for today one day at a time, and with that I pass.
0: Thank you, Ginger C. Stephanie N, followed by Kathleen O.
8: Hi, this is Stephanie N, um, recovered in Kansas. Um, people like him are too heartbreaking or too people like you are too heartbreaking. He said, um, I see people sometimes and um and I think, my gosh, that alcoholic hell they're in and and it's not just because of the weight. Some of the time I see people who were like me that were completely obsessed with diet or exercise and um, I see them. And I think there's a way out, and, um, you know, it's just that misery of living in that alcoholic hell, and then the defense must come from a higher power. I was looking for the solution every every way except for God. I thought I had a relationship with God. And I had no humility. I was full of pride and looking to do it my way. Um, Once I, you know, really surrendered, I wasn't just saying, God, let me get away with this binge. Don't, don't let me gain weight, you know, help me to be able to stay in these jeans or whatever. I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't asking for myself anymore. I was saying, God, I can't do this anymore. I can't live this way anymore. And I, I was really finished and, um, and I don't know what happened. I can't explain it. But, um, I'm wearing clothes that I couldn't wear when I was working out three hours a day and, and I don't feel hungry and, uh, and I'm not working out like a crazy person anymore. So what is that? You know, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. God, you know, God came in and, you know, he, he answered those, those selfish prayers, but he also took away the mental obsession and, and, um, Took away the mental obsession and he brought me closer into this relationship. The relationship with my higher power is really the best part. I get up the first thing I do in the morning and I'm on my knees. The last thing I do before bed, I'm on my knees during the day. If I'm having that really like, oh, I'm starving feeling and I know I shouldn't be hungry, I go in and meditate and it's gone. It's just gone. And I I can't explain that either. All I know is that the defense has to come from a higher power. And I'm just so grateful for this program. And with that, I pass.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. And Kathleen O, you're next.
4: Good morning. Thank you. This is Kathleen O, Recovered in California. And most alcoholics have to be pretty badly mangled before they really commence to solve their problems. Mangled. I was certainly damaged goods. I was desperate and I was doomed. I was mentally and physically tortured by the slow death of the food, um, and the pain only got worse. My life was unmanageable when I was controlling the food, and my life was unmanageable when I wasn't controlling the food. So clearly the food was my thinking, which is what I've learned. The problem is my mind. And if it wasn't my mind and it was only the food, I wouldn't have been so miserable when I was able to control the food through dieting. You know, when I dieted, my mind was constantly thinking about what what I would eat when the diet would end. And I did a lot of pan ways, and pan ways work. Calories in calories, in, uh, you know, there's even the plans where you can purchase the food where somebody figures everything out for you, you just have to eat what they give you. And for people who food is their only problem, that those programs work. I've seen it work for people. But for me, I would eat the week's allotment in a day. Um, You know, the food was a problem, but the bigger problem, as I've learned in the doctor's opinion, Bill's story, more about alcoholism, the bigger problem is my thinking. And I love that sentence once more. The alcoholic at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drink. And I had hundreds of once mores. Not just certain times I had no mental defense, but the majority of times I had no mental defense. Unless I could somehow muster up the willpower. <clears throat> Excuse me, a white knuckle diet. So once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. You know, I had to I had to admit that food had me lit. I was hopeless. I couldn't enjoy the food when I controlled it, and I couldn't control it when I enjoyed it. So I had this hopeless state of mind and body, and it was something I could totally relate to. I was powerless. I couldn't stop once I started, and I was miserable. So what I needed with a spiritually guided mind. And, you know, today I no longer have to fight anyone or anything, including the food. And I'm amazed when I can sit across people, you know, at dinner or when I go out with people um, and they're eating my trigger foods. And I'm totally neutral. And I truly, truly don't want those foods. I mean, it amazes me every time it happens or I walk through a store and I see things that, um, you know, I used to binge on. And I just, I don't even want them. And so I no longer have to the best part is I no longer have to try to even control other people. I let God run the show, <clears throat> which frees me up to be useful and helpful to others. So there is a solution. It's believing in a power greater than myself and having a spiritual awakening
6: as a result of working these steps.
0: And I pass, thank you. Thank you, Kathleen O. I'm gonna sneak in real quick. This is Julia Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And, you know, most people have to be pretty mangled. I I was mangled um, outwardly and inwardly. You know, I, I could not function without eating and sneaking and lying. And, I mean, I was t- sharing with another fellow, if somebody could see me eating out of the garbage, if somebody could see me eat the burnt food, the stale food, the boiling food and it dripping on my shirt and the wrappers, they they would be shocked. But yet that was just another day in my life because I was hopeless. I, I tried everything and nothing worked. Even in the rooms of OA, I would try to manage my weight. Manage you know the food plan, the whatnot, and it nothing worked. I mean, I would have these short little respites right where where diet with group support, like some people say, and it would work for a short time until it didn't work. but I never got the freedom. I might have been abstinent, but it was white knuckling it it was I didn't have the depth and the meaning that that a real entire abstinence has for me today. And the second part of step one, right, unmanageability. I was still unmanageable in so many areas of my life. You know, yeah, financially I was okay, but I was still, you know, overspending. Um, I was still wanting more. I was never satisfied. And I look at my life today, you know, it says his defense must come from a higher power. I didn't do this. I did not rocket myself into the fourth dimension. I didn't give myself neutrality with the food. I didn't give myself the grace and the freedom that I have. It came from something totally outside of myself, and which I choose to call my Creator. And and you know how did that happen? Well, it happened by continually taking the action and doing the work and following the instructions. Because I am that hopeless variety. You know, I just came back from a week-long vacation, and it was an all-inclusive, all-you-can-eat-and-all-you-can-drink. It's kind of funny because they definitely made money on me. But talk about freedom, taking my scale um, up and down the buffets, uh, having my scale at the, the elegant dinners every night. It doesn't matter. That's where I get my freedom. And I never feel left out. You know, I was with three other people, one my husband, and they eat desserts. They get to try all these foods. But I, I, I'm I, very content with my food plan. My my disease doesn't go on a vacation. And I, because you know what, I cannot take the chance of ever taking that first bite because I don't know if I'll survive again. I mean, I don't know if my body could um, take being 300 pounds again. I'm five two. I don't think my psyche can take the insanity and the craziness, but it's like I don't have to worry about that for today because my solution is my creator. My power comes from my God, Um, and my food plan is a food plan that that, uh, helps me stay abstinent. It gets me away from my, my alcoholic foods. But, yeah, you know, life is pretty dang good right now. And with that, I'll pass. Who would like to share? Elaine B, Polly Q. B. This is Joanne.
9: Reggie.
0: Hold okay, hold on a second. Polly Q. Joanne, what's your first, your initial of your last name? C. C. I'm sorry. Okay. Duke B as in boy. Um, I didn't hear that, but
9: I said Joanne B as in boy.
0: Got it. Okay, and who was out after Joanne? I heard Reggie. I believe Reggie O. Harry H. Terry H. Okay, let's there stop with be. that. Okay, we'll take one more. Let's let's stop there. So Elaine B. Followed by Polly Q.
3: Thanks
10: so much Elaine? for your service, Julie. Oh. Yeah, thank you. Sorry. Um, yeah, Elaine B. Recovered in Massachusetts. So grateful for this reading. Um, doing some step one work with with a sponsee now and we're we're writing this book and these are the last words on more about alcoholism. So we're spending a lot of time on step one. Why? Because it's vital. It's vital, you know, um it's it's so interesting because um this person really gets the allergy, you know, but we what this chapter is so much all about is trying to get us to understand the great obsession of every normal drinker. What's that that someday somehow I will control and enjoy my drink, my food. <laughs> um, if we're planning to stop drinking, it says on page 33, that there must be no reservation of any kind, no, nor any lurking notion that somehow, someday, we'll be immune to alcohol. Story after story in this book, story after story in these rooms, that food has become for us a drug of no choice that um, with hardly an exception page 39 will be absolutely unable to stop drinking on the basis of self-knowledge it's a point we want to emphasize and reemphasize to smash home upon our alcoholic readers as it's been to re- reveal to us out of bitter experience i had a lurking notion someday i'd be okay if i just go out of the rooms so if i stay here don't need the food plan already had You know, all that figured out. Uh, The sponsor, yeah, I don't really need that now anymore. But what happened to me? The same thing. John Barleycorn had more convincing to do. And I have found that, in my case, (laughs) there was virtually no other solution than this. You know, we're quoting again what I believe would be Dr. Silkworth, who gave us this Profound insight that the Oxford group and Ebby didn't even have, but it was the key that made, that, that unlocks this and, and gives us such a foundation for step one, the only step we have to do perfectly according to the 12 and 12, that um, a hun- we're 100% hopeless apart from divine help. We can stay away from the food. the food. If we don't pick up the food, the phenomenon of craving doesn't set in. But before the food, it's this mental obsession. So we really have to understand that whether we've been recovered a day, a week, a month, a year, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, that we have no defense against these, um, these curious mental thoughts except these steps. except except continuing to work these steps one day at a time. And if we do, what ends up happening, we're rocketed into a fourth dimension. Life shows up between hand. What used to give us uh, ease and comfort in our day-to-day living gives us ease and comfort without food, but with with our creator. And I'm so very grateful for it without a test.
0: Thank you. And I think somebody's unmuted, but Polly Q, you're next by Joanne B. Hi, I'm Polly Q. Can I be heard?
5: Yes,
7: I am a recovered uh newly recovered uh compulsive eater and um I appreciate your service uh, The thing that strikes me here is that um I've had the opportunity uh in the last two months to to, to really talk to these heartbreaking people
0: these these
7: beautiful wonderful amazing people and that that absolutely are dying of these addictions you know and um and i have to say it is not the getting abstinent part that dr Selkworth describes uh, it's not the, the physical craving that I see is the big obstacle. Not for me either. Not for me either. I, I white-knuckled abstinence. Well, not, not that hard to do, I'll be honest. It just was a miserable way of life. But I didn't know how to live in the steps. I just didn't know how to do it. And without living in those steps, I will eat again. There is no mental defense against it. I will take that first compulsive bite. And not only have I seen that in myself, but I have watched the heartbreaking results in others. The big obstacle always appears to me to be, in myself and in others, the willingness to do the spiritual work on a daily basis. Because I get a daily reprieve. That's it a daily reprieve as a recovered compulsive eater contingent upon my spiritual condition. And otherwise, the mental obsession returns. So for me, the most heartbreaking thing is to see people go, you know, I, where's the nice food plan? Could you just give me that diet? You, you, I, I, all I need is that good diet. And then I will lick this thing that's the disease's weapon, at least it is for me, and it appears to be for them. It's the spiritual work that allows me to continue on a daily basis to get what I need so that I will be in a place of neutrality around the food. And that is what I have to be. If I'm fighting it, if it's me doing a good fight, I'm going to lose. I will lose every time. So um, I'm just so appreciative of Fred's story and these paragraphs. Thank you
0: for letting me share. Thank you, Polly Q. And Joanne B., followed by Reggie O.
9: Hi, this is Joanne B. from Coleman, Texas. And um, I am a compulsive overeater. But it, when I listen, I've been on the program for about three weeks maybe, and... and. Um, My mind is so um, what, disturbed, I guess, so bothered just by the thought of eating food. And although I will turn to it when I would be um, maybe sad or angry or whatever, at the same time, I would run from it because I was afraid of how much I would turn to it. And it just, over the years, became such an idol to me. And... uh, um and the sorrow is is that um I couldn't find joy in food whether I was eating or not eating and um but I was too much of a weenie to vomit or so I didn't want to go that way. It's really kind of funny. Maybe that was a good thing, all of those fears I guess. Um but I look at this at the badly mangled that they have to be badly mangled or we have to be uh, hope this general hopelessness or 100% hopelessness. And then I hear, I think, am I really at that place and um, how unmanageable is my life? And it wasn't so much unmanageable by eating and, and hiding um, because I've had, I've been trying on my own, I guess, but I've been missing the steps, you know, doing different plans, but missing those steps. The the I think there's a lot of um, a good in in that. I don't know how to word that, but um, I guess what I'm saying is that sometimes listening to different stories, I think, well, maybe you don't belong here. And then I th- read this hopelessness my hopelessness and my man, unmanageability was I. I would sleep because I would be so depressed about how I felt, about myself, or about eating, or that's pretty unmanageable. And I and I keep thinking I don't have to hit the very very bottom physically to come and get help for for the whole person, my whole person. And I just want to thank everyone who shares and um, who the love that you all show, um, and thank you for all of your service. Just really appreciate everything that, that Vision is doing in to help others. And with that, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Joanne B. Reggie O. followed by Terry H.
11: Hi. Good morning, Julie. Thank you for your service. And everybody on the line this morning, this is Reggie O., And the uh, Los Angeles area. And I, well, I just, this morning I was just listening to everybody and yesterday it's just, I so appreciate the the shares and the wisdom and people who share what I've, I heard many, many years ago, experience, strength, and hope. And, um, you know, and I also so appreciate Vision for You and, and what I'm reminded of this morning is coming to terms with and learning that distinction between the uh, physical allergy and the mental obsession and the because both of these both of these uh, men that, they, that are talked about here um, Jim to Jim to begin with and Fred they were not uh, they were not reacting to the physical allergy because they both had put uh, alcohol down for a while and then you know but that that blank spot um, what was it? If I go back to Jim, suddenly the thought crossed my mind. You know, suddenly the thought crossed my mind, seemingly out of nowhere, except, you know, we're, he, we're, we're told that he actually it wasn't really out of nowhere. It seemed that way. But earlier that morning, he had had a resentment. Um, uh, he had had some words with the boss. And uh, and he had failed. It talked about later on to enlarge his spiritual life. So he wasn't drinking. He wasn't like acting from the the craving that comes from the allergy, but from the mental obsession. In the same way with um, same way with Fred, he had stopped drinking for a while. He thought he knew himself. Great great self knowledge. Successful man, seemingly in most every areas. And as I crossed the threshold of the dining room, the thought came to mind that it would be nice to have a couple of cocktails. No defense. They both had this thought, and there was no defense to keep them from putting whiskey in the milk and picking up a couple of cocktails. And that's, you know, that is the biggest piece of it. I've I've never been one that could really do white-knuckling abstinence, so that that didn't work for me. But, uh, you know... That being badly mangled, I can certainly relate to that, and I, I think sometimes some of my worst mangling came after, you know, being in program and actually being recovered. The compulsion had been lifted many years ago, and I eventually went back out, and the years in between then, you know, and coming and going and getting abstinent, losing my abstinent, coming to program, staying away from program... It was amazing that uh, the losses and you know using that word mangling that occurred for me over those years. <clears throat> no effective mental defense. Uh, his defense must come from a higher power, and you know the high, the higher the higher power. I mean that just is it's um it's so so very clear and so very simple. But it's it's, it's work. It's, you know it's effort. It's doing the steps. It is you know the first step is putting the food down. Uh, learning, knowing, acknowledging, being honest about our alcoholic foods and behaviors, putting them down so the, so our minds can be cleared to then do the spiritual work, which is the rest of the steps, and develop that relationship with a higher power and spiritual principles, as we talked about yesterday, that, that are uh, a defense against anything and the first drink.
5: And
0: uh, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Reggio. Terry H. followed by Sherry KB.
5: Hi, everyone. My name is Terry H. I'm from North Carolina. Grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, I was pretty mangled in my disease. My sponsor uh, shares with me that uh, being smashed up against the wall. Um, I was smashed up against the wall many, many times. Um, I was 100% hopeless apart from divine help. Um, in my disease, most definitely. There was nothing I could do to stop compulsive eating, binging and purging, um, and restricting. My self-will, my self-knowledge was insufficient, Um, just like Jim and Fred. Um, Help from people and places and and things were not sufficient. Um, I was powerless, most definitely. I had a physical allergy to certain binge foods, I put those binge foods down, that allergy went away, and I worked the steps to work on my obsession of the mind. And, um, you know, working through those steps and practicing rigorous honesty throughout the whole process, I had a spiritual experience. You know, I surrendered my life and my will over to a power greater than myself. Um, And that was an amazing experience. You know, I work each day to surrender my will. Um, I did not have a mental defense against my disease. I alone, it whipped me, it slammed me up against the wall every time I even tried. And now, you know, in my recovery, as a recovered woman, you know, I do have a mental defense. I do have an effective spiritual defense. It's my higher power. And each day, you know, when I surrender that peace over and trust, you know, I, I, see, I see the rewards and the peace, and, and I feel the peace and the freedom. Yesterday, I, I did have a little struggle yesterday. I'm a, I trained for triathlons, and I keep getting cramps in my, my calves and my feet. It's been happening for a couple of weeks now. And I um, reached out to a recovered person for some suggestions and my nutritionist. And I um, didn't like the um, suggestions my nutritionist uh, gave me. And, um, you know, I struggle with that. I played tug-of-war with that yesterday for a while. And then, you know, my higher power said, you know, you need to surrender. You need to trust because this is not your expertise. This is not your area that you know about, and you need to turn that over. And so when I was able to reach out and do some work on it, some 10-step t- some work on it, you know, I was able to turn it over and and trust a little bit more that my higher power is going to take care of me and and give me what i need for today. And i am so grateful for that. And today, you know, i do have an effective spiritual defense against my disease. And you know, my higher power is most trustworthy, and i'm grateful for that. Thanks for letting me share our past. Thank you, Terry
12: H. Sherry KB, you're next. Good morning, Julie. Good morning everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California grateful recovered compulsive o reader Love being on the line today and hearing everybody. Thanks for your service, Julie and everyone um, we most alcoholics have to be pretty badly mangled before they're really commenced to solve their problems um I th- thought I felt pretty badly mangled when I walked into the doors of readers Anonymous uh so many years ago and um but you know, I wasn't done yet um in and out of the program um I was badly mangled, not just physically, but mentally and spiritually. And what that's what's coming up for me today, is how badly mangled I've been spiritually. Um, that, um, you know, I was of the hopeless type, um, and the only thing that would help me is divine help. And I fought that for so many years, because... My mental defense was my disease that I thought I could do it myself, and that has gotten me into more trouble and has mangled me at my own hands by not leaning on a power greater than myself um, to, um, to, to help me recover. Um, and when I think about that, you know, it, and down here it even says, I have the profound respect for the spiritual approach in such cases as yours most cases there were virtually or no other solution and then down here it says that the um the effective mental defense against the first drink that there's no effective mental defense so that's telling me I can't do this um that's what it's telling me that's what I'm being told here and that not not other human being can provide such a defense so you can't help me i can't help me the only thing that can help me is um a higher power. And that's what it says at the bottom here is his defense must come from a higher power. And so, and to me, the way I find my higher power is getting in this book and working the steps. And um, I heard somebody say earlier today, the best exercise you can do is running up and down the steps, (laughs) Um, the 12 steps. And um, that's what I need. I need to work these steps. And you know, it's just I thought that I would I would get the solution by putting the food down only. And because I am a compulsive overeater, a true compulsive overeater, that I too I have a two-fold illness. I didn't put myself on a timer. Oops. Um, that um, I can put down the food. That's my job. But the rest of the job is going through the, the steps and getting unblocked from my higher power. And then my higher power takes care of me and does the rest and helps me live in the solution by living in ten, eleven, 11, and 12. And um, that's what's amazing to me is I get my life problems solved by living in ten, eleven, 11, and 12. And with that, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Sherry KB. Who else would like to share?
9: Hello?
0: Wendy M. Oh. Carlisa Wendy C. M. Wendy M. Carlisa C. Jenny H. Okay all right that'll probably take us to the end okay wendy m go ahead followed by carly sissy
13: yes good morning wendy m recovered in colorado julie thank you for your service and everybody on the line um so yeah just going to start with the word mangled um and i looked it up mutilated twisted or disfigured by battering hacking cutting or tearing I'm like, wow, yes. What? That's heavy-duty language. This is not a, you know, um, a mild problem that I have. Mutilated, twisted, disfigured. Ooh. And like someone just said, it's not just my body that was mangled. It's also my mind. And it's actually especially my mind. Um, you know, it's kind of like an inventory here. Wow. That's really powerful language. Um, And for myself, 11 months ago, I had to be desperate. I had to be mangled um, to be willing to surrender to my sponsor, to God, to the program. I had to be willing to do whatever my sponsor said to do, to go to any lengths, to let go of myself, to get out of self. And she would always say, first of all, Do you want the miracles? And, of course, I was like a little puppy dog. Yes, yes, give me the miracles. Um, And she'd say, how free do you want to be? How willing are you to pick up that phone? How willing are you to, to do the step work? How willing are you to set aside what you think you know about yourself, about life, about God, about your children? How willing are you to do that? And thank God that I wanted to be free. Thank God. But the thing I'm really finding now is, Um, it it was actually easy for me to get entirely abstinent. And I recommend it for anyone on the line who's not entirely abstinent. It's easier to be entirely abstinent than to be in the food. But what I'm finding now is that it's actually harder to stay entirely abstinent. And I never understood that before. I just absolutely did not get that. Um, And now I get it, you know. And of course, you know, I need to continue to be desperate. I need to be... Continue to get that gift of desperation. Um, and of course, you know, a daily 10, 11, and 12 is what helps me. And some days, like yesterday, I needed to practice 10, 11, and 12 several times a day, several times a day. And thank you, God, I have sponsors because they keep me in 10, 11, and 12. And I have to say, too, you know, for 16 years in OA, I wasn't desperate. I, wasn't, I didn't know I was mangled. I didn't know what I didn't know, and I didn't have the gift of desperation because I thought my problem was my body. I had no idea that I was mangled in the mind. I had no idea. You know, I'm just swimming in it. Um, and you don't know what you don't know, and you have all those bites until you don't need all those bites, those, those beautiful bites. Um, so, you know, oh, okay. Well, thanks for letting me share, and I pass.
0: Thank you, Wendy M. And Carlisa C., you're next.
14: Thank you for your service. Carlisa C. recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and being in Washington, D.C. And I I love all of this uh, chapter, and I am especially uh, struck by how at the last we are told if you are an alcoholic, and that is up to you, dear reader, dear person listening to this, to figure out, um, you have no effective mental de- defense. I have no men- effective mental defense against the first drink or the first bite. And until I'm at the, that place emotionally, I can I can know that in my head because there is I I knew for years I was a compulsive eater for um, probably twenty twenty years. Did I stop eating compulsively? No, did I seek a solution other than a diet? No, did I start binging and purging? Yes, did I try to exercise all of the weight I was gaining um you know ten pounds a month off uh did the fact that I was humiliated to be a professional woman and whose life in every regard seemed to be perfect, except I had this little problem. I couldn't lose weight um it <laughs> I was over three hundred pounds for over thirty years, you know that's a lot of weight to carry around so i I knew all of this stuff in my head, however, in my heart and in my spirit, I was not willing to give up food. if food was for me the comforter and the solution and if the, if i as I hear people on this line um uncertain about whether they're compulsive eaters, uncertain about whether they're They want to give up the food. Just keep eating, you know, because that's the only. That's the. It's up to us. It was up to me to come to the conclusion that I needed something other than food for my problem. And it wasn't until April 3rd of 2009, after almost being almost 50 years, till I got that message. And I don't mean I don't mean to ever sound harsh for people. I am just saying I know how it is. And until we hit a bottom, a significant, you know, that place where we stop digging and realize I'm in a hole and I've dug it myself, it's not going to work. And for others, this, you know, if you don't, if you're not a compulsive eater, you don't need a spiritual solution. Diets do work for many, many people. Um, and so, I am happy to know that today I am a compulsive eater and that there is a solution. And that is my higher power, my reliance on on God. Thank you, and I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Carly Sissi. And I'm sorry we've run out of time. So um, uh, I'll have to share at the next meeting. I'd like to thank everyone who um, shared today. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164 followed by the serenity prayer. And will Elaine B. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you. Thanks for your service, Julie. This is Elaine B., Grateful
10: and Recovered in Massachusetts. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order